We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news. <laughs> yes, there is Nets news. And with all this spotlight on Brooklyn, we're going to have plenty to talk about. Uh, there is so much. And uh, we'll jump right in. We'll dive right in. Um, do you want to give that little spiel you do at the, the top of though, Nick, before I get in? Yes. You can find the buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, YouTube, and NetsRepublic.com. Also head to Design Tree slash Off the Glass for some Brooklyn Buzz tees. Use discount code OTG5. Save yourself five bucks. But, Jack, all you. Yeah, that's DSGN Tree for those that uh, might miss up, mess up the spelling. But I guess we're going to start off with what has been making the rounds today, Nick. And the number one sort of point on Nets Twitter is those jerseys. Our trash. <laughs> finish my <laughs> sentence for me <laughs> yeah you know they can't kill every jersey we were kind of talking on it before we started recording and the kogi jerseys were amazing these ones not so much yeah i mean it wasn't the the best jersey that i've ever seen i like the gray um I, I think that they seem they come off as amateur because there's only a fine line when it comes to graffiti design um that is like in that you can only nail so much um so yeah, I, re- I respect the sort of desire to, to go down this route of a, a sort of cool graffiti style because it's sort of old school New York, old school Brooklyn. It sort of, you know, brings that sort of vibe. But uh, I think that in terms of what was supposed to happen and, and how they were supposed to nail it, it just wasn't great. Um, I think that, you know, you can't nail them all, as you sort of said, Nick. But, you know, I'm not going to be buying this one, but uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll purchase plenty of other Joe Harris memorabilia. And I'm sure they'll drop plenty of other fire gear. But, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't it was the best thing I've ever seen. And I don't think I'm as bad on it as everyone. Like, for you calling it trash, I think it's like a nice form of trash. It's like compost. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the worst jersey that I've ever seen. There's been some worse ones out there. 
Um, but it's certainly one of the worst Brooklyn Nets ones. So in that sort of sense, um, we'll get to some better stuff, some more positive stuff to discuss around the Brooklyn Nets. And training camp has uh, provided plenty so far, Nick. And we're going to go back a couple of days where Jared Allen was probably uh, the standout of the, the Nets training camp. Does this mean that we're going to see Jared Allen as a starter or is it just more so the fact that he's putting in some work already and DeAndre Jordan is getting the best out of him? Yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, still plenty of training camp, plenty of preseason left. So I feel like, you know, him competing early on and kind of working with DeAndre should only get the best out of both guys. So I'm excited to see him kind of take the challenge instead of kind of step down. You know, I didn't really worry about that in Jarrett, but sometimes you do see young players when a veteran comes in kind of be a little intimidated. Yeah, and Kenny Atkinson was the one who singled out Jared Allen as the standout of day, v, of day three. He said it was Jared Allen. If I can only pick one, let him be the standout. And then Jordan was um, incredibly complimentary of him as well um, in terms of their battles uh, in, in, in training camp. He said, I think it's going great. Jared is a great young player. He's proven to be a great rim protector and he's getting, getting even better each year. And we're definitely challenging him every day in practice. I think for us, being able to battle against each other every day is going to be good, not only for us individually, but great for our team. And I think that relates to sort of what I was sort of saying when I put it to you that could this battle be a negative effect, could have a negative adverse effect on these guys and the team overall. It seems to be the opposite. Yeah, it seems like also from what I've heard from Kenny, it's just the competition has been good competition. It hasn't been that negative, you know, leave you with a sour taste competition. Guys are getting along, having fun and competing at a high level. I'm really excited to see what happens and how much better DeAndre can make Jarrett. Yeah, and I think that at the end of the day, um, that's the that's the main thing. We saw Ed Davis have an effect on, on Jared Allen, and I'll probably say mostly as a screener and rebounder, um, whereas we know DeAndre probably possesses more of an offensive, more polished offensive game, and is probably a, a, a bit more... You know, uh, pizzazz um, with this offensive game than Ed Davis is, who's probably a little more grit grind at the offensive boards and such. But um, Nick, also in that sort of day, uh, DeAndre was asked about shooting threes. He said, hell no, no, no way. If I came out here and started shooting threes, then you're going to be like DeAndre. We shouldn't have signed that guy. Whatever they need me to do, I'm working on different aspects, but whatever shots I'm going to get in our offense and whatever I'm going to be able to do to help us win more games and lengthen our postseason, that's what I'm going to do. But he's not taking threes. I like it. I mean, it's not trying to change his game late in his career. You know, obviously he knows what he's good at. He's going to continue to do that. And that's playing the role the team needs him to do. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing at the end of the day. He knows what he is as a player. You know, he's in the twilight of his career. So, yeah, that was um, those are sort of the notes from the early point of training camp. Um, and obviously there was another sort of point um, in the fact that everyone's loving Joey Buckets, but everyone's sort of also focusing on the fact that, you know, the the management of his minutes, Nick. Um, Kyrie had some good things to say about him. I miss playing with Joe. That's my dude. I've loved Joe since our Cleveland days. Um, they developed a love. Joe got drafted in Cleveland. I knew he was going to be special. Uh, he didn't play on one team at a time. So that was just Brooklyn gave him the chance. They gave him the opportunity, and now he's performing. Uh, it, it seems to me that Joe Harris had some of, some of an impact as well on, on recruiting Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I definitely think he did. Obviously, you know, they know each other, having a previous relationship. I'm sure he asked him a few questions. And I also think Joe is the type of player that stars enjoy playing with because he's not going to really complain about getting the ball. He's going to run around the court, create space for you, and he's a lockdown three-point shooter. So he's going to get you assists left and right. You know, what yeah. What more can you ask for? You can't ask for more. Um, you know, Joe Harris stand him. 
We'll be doing our player <laughs> preview very, very soon on that one, and it's going to be about three hours long, so be prepared. Um, it's going to be next, our first solo Brooklyn buzz. <laughs> yeah, Nick's, Nick's not jumping on. I'm going to be dropping just consistent Joe Harris pods throughout the... It's going to be co-hosted by Jack Manuel and hosted by Jack Manuel. Um, <laughs> but Sean Marks was sort of saying uh, in regards to his workload and by the New York Post, Nick, in regards to the workload, we've got to be very careful with a guy like that who's carried a really big load for the last two or three months, but he had an incredible opportunity to be out there and represent his country. He did a marvelous job. Yeah, I think you really do have to worry about it because also he played in the playoffs last year, some extended minutes there, going to Team USA. And also I think he said the camp overall, the whole experience was like 50 days, a lot of travel. You know, I'd play it safe with him. You need him for the season. You don't want to overwork him. You have some depth early in the year. You know, make his life easy. Yeah, and I guess in terms of relating to those training loads, um, they sort of said they monitor a lot of our training loads and they did it even while I was away. And he's talking about the Nets training stuff. So they knew where my body was at in terms of the high-intensity loads. So coming back, it's been sort of two weeks off, just short recovery training sessions, and he's tapering back into to live work where at the start of training camp, he can be full-on and ready to go. So it's... It's that balance, and I think that if we if we know any other sort of training stuff, we harp on it, and we're going to continue to harp on it until proven otherwise. That Joe is going to be peaking um, at the start of the regular season, and you know how many minutes we'll see in the preseason uh, doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, who's going to nail Joe Harris stuff other than you? Uh, no one, absolutely <laughs> no one, and I will fight anyone to the death about that. But uh, in that sort of sense, Nick, there's been some other sort of camp notes. Um, the sort of there's been talk around Jalan Musa and, and Rodion's Kurutz. And in that sort of sense, you know, Rodion's been taking the three ball. He's, he seems to be uh, really confident with it, uh, letting it fly. Uh, and Musa is, is stepping up as defensive player. Um, you're liking what you're hearing out of camp for these guys. Yeah, obviously we haven't done the player previews for those two, but two things we would look for, you know, Rodion's improved that three-point shot, which he shot last year inconsistently. And then Musa, my question mark for him is always, can he play NBA-level defense? So if they're improving those two areas, it just continues to add to this roster. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Kenny didn't guarantee any minutes. He sort of said they have to earn it. They have to earn their spot in the rotation because I know, of course, I know them a little better from last season. It'll just have to play out, but they'll have to earn their minutes. Um, so in that sort of sense, it's going to be a deep rotation. And I think Kenny did say that his magic number is generally 10, um, but we know that he sort of sometimes likes to keep it to 9. But um, we're pretty deep, and, and, and I think that the, the Rodion's is probably obviously ahead of Musa in terms of uh, that respect because he's got the defensive acumen. He's got the sort of you know chemistry with the team already. He's proven it. Um, but you know I, I could see Musa earning some minutes too. Yeah, the one thing also Rodion's has on his side is just that position that he plays. You know, small forward, power forward. There's more minutes there where you're looking at the guard spots. You know, Musa's going to have a hard time breaking that rotation where Rodion's, the Nets almost need him to be good to kind of hit another level where, you no know, disrespect to Musa, if he doesn't have a great season, it isn't necessarily going to impact the win-loss total. Yeah, and I think that before we move on, it was interesting that he did mention 2-3-4 when it came to Musa. He said that, he, yes, he's shooting the ball much better and progressing defensively, which are two big things. You've got to be a 3 and D guy at the 4-3-2 position. That's all we're helping him out with. So definitely Musa, I'm really pleased with his progress. I'm not sure if he was speaking in general about the 4-3-2, but we know Musa has some size about him. Yeah, I can see him. In terms of height, get, at least. 
I could see him getting minutes at the three. I think defensively, he's probably too far behind for him to get minutes at the four. And I don't think he's, you know, a physically imposing player. He did look bigger at media day, but obviously we got to see that on the court. But I could see him getting minutes at small forward. Yeah, it's, you know, when you got this, these guys who just have skill sets that don't necessarily fit into one mold and one position, I think that that's almost a better thing. And I think that Coach Kenny has always sort of been about emphasizing not necessarily guard forward. Yes, you need to have your centers as your sort of stalwarts and your ball hand, maybe your point guard. But in between, you want guys who have varied sort of skill sets. And a guy that's got a varied skill set for a big man is uh, our boy Nick Claxton, Nick. And everyone's talking this dude up. I like it. You know, we were impressed with what he did in summer league. Showing off some of those skills he developed in college, obviously we talked about him needing to polish them to a higher level and have a better understanding of the NBA game and physically taking that next step. But, hey, I mean, there's an opportunity for a rookie to pop off. We've seen it in years past with Rodion's and Jared Allen. Maybe Nick Claxton's the next one. Yeah, and I think that Jordan said Nick reminds me of Chris Bosch a little bit. We've made that comparison when we were talking Coach about Kenny with... Did too. Coach Kenny did as well with uh, Dalton on the Brooklyn Buzz when we were doing our draft review. Uh, Musa said that he's a great talent. He's got a really high ceiling. Um, but for himself, and this was from Claxton at, at training camp, I'm just going to hoop wherever I am, whether it's Long Island or whether it's in Brooklyn. I'm just going to do whatever I can to become better. And at the end of the day, I'll know I'll be here in the NBA to stay for a very long time. I like the confidence, but I like the measured confidence from a kid like that. Yeah, and I love the fact he was like, I'll play wherever. And I think he also talked on media day saying he has no issue going to Long Island at all and developing his skills. So I think he's really happy and understands the opportunity in front of him in Brooklyn, what they've done with other young players, and also having some of the best NBA players of, you know, he's probably personally ever seen in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and I think in that sense, I know we touched on Jared Allen as a power forward. It was sort of making the rounds. You know, on 2K, they play those lineups, which is frustrating as hell whenever <laughs> I'm trying to win a game. But I think Nick Claxton, out of the three big guys that we have, he has the best potential to play as a power forward. I think 100%. Me- mechanically, he has the best three-point shot, um, the best offensive game, and the best sort of malleable overall skill set that I think would fit. Um, and I think maybe we could see that in next season. I think there is a, a sort of, we've spoken about consistently, probably since we started this podcast, the fact that the Nets have really lacked a power forward presence. Um, Claxton could fit in there, you reckon? I think so, and I think he has the best switchability out of DeAndre, Jared Allen, and himself. Be obviously a little bit thinner and not necessarily ready to play the center position. I think if he got minutes this year, it definitely could be at the four. And you're not going to really battle with that many big fours in the NBA. You know, you have Sabonis and Al Horford or two guys that come to mind in the East. But other than that, I think Claxton will be able to get some minutes at the four, especially if the opportunity pops up. You know, we know the whole Rodion situation isn't established yet. And then the Wilson Chandler suspension, they might need him to step up at the four. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it seems to me that we've got another quality young big, and I'm really excited to see what he can bring on the floor. He's got a, a tremendous skill set. Uh, and if you want you know, a bit more in-depth sort of stuff on that, NetsRepublic.com, I did a little bit of a video breakdown of him uh, a couple of months ago. But Kyrie Irving was uh, having some thoughts as well on training camp. Nick, he was saying just to be out here competing with the guys, getting through our scripted plays, enjoying the camaraderie, the competition, having everybody out here raise their level of play and just be dyed in. It's a great thing for us. Yeah, you love seeing, you know, one of your best players out on the court. And I think DeAndre mentioned, you know, when when Kyrie was out there, the intensity level picked up another level. It hit up another notch. Yeah, I think that that's going to happen. And I think he also said in relation to his teammates, anything that I can utilize for our offense to be more fluent, I'm willing to do. I'm going to give guys space to be special. 
Karras is one of the guys. Spencer Zimmerman's one of those guys. Joe also can go off the screen to shoot. So I think that we're sort of talked about, you know, how is the offense going to change around Kyrie Irving in comparison to D'Angelo Russell? Yes, we know D'Lo is a, is a much better passer um, in terms of just the, the simple passing acumen. But it seems like Kyrie is going to let his teammates shine too. Yeah, I think he is. And I think he kind of, like we've mentioned on the Media Day pod, he learned a lot in Boston about how to handle his teammates and, you know, letting some of these young guys take their skill set to the next level and help them do that. Kyrie wants to be that guy. He wants to be a better teammate and he wants to make his teammates better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I think that he, we've seen, we've seen this, he's bought in. Um, tremendously already to, to the Brooklyn Nets franchise and he's just going to do whatever he, he can to make this team better. I think that everyone's sort of, even at this early stage, starting to really understand um, his his buy-in to, to the franchise as a whole. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to sort of see that. But um, I guess we'll move on to Kevin Durant. Despite the fact that he's supposed to be rehabbing Nick, and he is, he's rehabbing right next to the guys. I like it. I think I saw him, a video of him at practice shooting some free throws with Kyrie Irving. So him being there, you know, just obviously his presence, kind of everybody wanting to impress their new teammate, Kevin Durant, if healthy, maybe the best player in the NBA. I think it's a positive vibe. And obviously you see him grinding the rehab room. You're grinding on the court. It's just positive vibes all the way. Yeah, and he's doing so in one of the most fire hoodies that I've ever seen. Uh, yes. I need to get me one of those. Uh, I might sign to KD's DMs and ask him where he purchased it. Or if he can get me one, I'll be over there in uh, just a couple of weeks' time. Um, if, by the way, yeah, I will be in New York from October 28th to November 6th. So for those that want to catch up, grab a beer, or you know, I'll be at a few of the games with Nick as well at the J-Man JBT. But on relation to Kevin Durant... Um, the, co- the quotes from, from Kenny are pretty positive. He's been rehabbing courtside. He's watching what we're doing and walking around to our station, encouraging guys and having dialogue. It's been a real nice balance. He's been super present and it's been really good so far. Yeah, and I might be looking too much into this, but I think it's really great. He's already building more of a relationship with a lot of the guys. We already know he's established a relationship with Kyrie and DeAndre and somewhat Karis LeVert. But some of the other guys on the team have never really talked to KD. And like I mentioned, this is one of the best players in the NBA. It can be a little intimidating. And developing that relationship this year before he comes back or, you know, for later in the season, I think it's great for the team. Yeah, uh, Musa and Rodion's, I'm pretty sure it's their favorite player, or at least one of their favorite players, and they were taking photos and stuff at at Media (laughs) Day, so that was was really fun. Um, But Kenny sort of said individually about the relationship he's been trying to build. Um, He'll said, I'll go over to him in practice and say, what do you think of this? What did you guys do in Golden State? What did you do in OKC? You're always having those dialogues. He might chime in and say something, but it seems to me he's a guy who's an observer. An early observer, he's watching everything. He's aware. You can see that awareness. He doesn't say a lot, but when he says something, you stand and pay attention because it's always something relevant i like it i mean that's kind of the vibe you get from kd you know he's he's not a big talker he he sees a lot of things as we know he's very active on twitter and i'll jump into random mentions so he is kind of almost kind of wants to know everything or be aware of everything yeah and i think in that sort of sense we spoke about when uh coach kenny was on a podcast speaking about the fact that kevin durant is going to be a faux assistant coach for him seems to me he's already trying to establish that sort of fact uh, at this early point but you know we're only a couple of days in but uh it's good signs so far but i sort of alluded to it earlier nick um and i think i'll give the quote on it in terms about coach kenny uh, ex- um, the, with the rotation 
Um, he said, uh, "Experience is my experience is that death is vital in this league, especially with our experience last season with the injuries we had. As hard as guys play today, the pace of the game, there's going to be injuries. We have last year, we relied on all 15 of the guys. I harp back to the Theo game against the Knicks where he came from the G League, had 20 points and helped us win it. I think that we need that depth as far as a permanent rotation. 10 was the ideal number, but I'm not going to promise that. Uh, it'll play itself out. He could switch it up. You know, he talked about taking his game to the next level. I don't think it would be terrible if you played 11 or 12, especially if the Nets plan on turning up the pace this year, which I think is a real possibility considering some of the pieces on the roster, and I would like it. I wouldn't mind playing 11. You know, obviously in big games, you want to play 9 or 10, that's fine. But throughout the year, it's a grind, and guys are going to be banged up. So I honestly feel like the entire roster is going to see minutes at some point because that's how it felt last year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, we're not going to see just one sort of set rotation. We know that Coach Kenny is pretty flexible when it comes to that. But, you know, I think that number of, of nine or ten, like I said earlier, seems to me the, the way to go. But, you know, when Kevin Durant gets back, you know, who misses out on those minutes as well? So um, for now, I think it's about establishing chemistry, establishing on-court chemistry more than anything and seeing what fits best for different lineups because, you know, guys we haven't even spoke about and guys that we'll speak about a little bit more now is guys like David Nwaba and, and, and guys like Garrett Temple. Um, apparently, you know, David Nwaba, people are talking to him about being the next Marcus Smart. That's interesting. I did not hear that one yet, but um, hey, if he wants to kind of take on that role, I love it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, we, we heard about the defense of him possibly guarding fours and he brings a tenacity and obviously his offensive game isn't necessarily there, but either was Marcus Smarts at first. He's kind of developed that in the years, and last year was probably one of his better offensive seasons. But if he was able to bring that defensive grit to the team, that would be a huge boost off the bench. Yeah, and I, I think I saw a, a defensive sort of video um, on the Brooklyn Nets page and where everyone was getting really hyped at the, the D that David Nwaba was playing, and he made a comment on that. It's about pride. I don't want anyone to score on me ever. It's a challenge that I pride myself on stepping up and taking every day. That's exactly what you want to hear. You know, from a player like that, that's what we want from our bench players and guys who come in and the Nets got him on a steal of a contract. So I yeah. can't really say more. Exactly. And in, and in terms of he spoke a little bit more about Cleveland and, and Brooklyn and how he sort of landed there. Um, I had some injuries and he kept me out of some games. So I knew it was going to affect my free agency. Brooklyn was one of the teams to reach out to me. So being a part of this winning culture, I've been a part of losing teams. So just to be a part of a team that made the playoffs, I wanted to be a part of that. Guys that go out there and compete hard every day. He's going to fit in pretty well. Yeah, he definitely is. And everybody I talked to from like Cleveland fans or Cleveland media said that we'll love Nawaba and just what he brings to the team. And obviously he did those video threads earlier in the year, kind of breaking him down and what he can bring. And I think there's a fit for him. He's a really a nice complimentary player that's been on bad teams with not many stars. Now you put him on a team with some stars and some good players. He can do what he does best. Yeah, and he sort of said, you know, those things that he does best, diving for loose balls, taking charges, the ugly plays win games, which is really positive to see. And Kenny made some comments on him as well. Uh, we felt him defensively take today everyone felt him in the gym and that's how you make a mark in a in as a role player in this league we all saw that today that he can add that element it's important and the nets really haven't necessarily had these type of players they haven't had somebody to come off the bench and just throw at you know a wing who's on fire that someone's just going to annoy them the entire time on the court we've you know we've seen karis avert play some good defense ronde play some good defense in the past but they haven't really had that guy who's just going to go out there and just really annoy you the entire time he's on the court 
Yeah, and Atkins has said that you know there's been some emphasis on his three-point shot, and he's really happy with his defensive instincts, and he's strong. Um, and he, and I think as David Nwaba said as well that being on a team with a coach that believes in you makes the game way easier. I'm excited about whatever opportunity I get at any position. I have no issue guarding bigger guys. Do you see a similar role for him that we saw for Trevion Graham last season? Yeah, I think we've hinted at it the past, too, is that that's something you can do and maybe even be a better version of what we wanted Trevion Graham to be. So, I mean, Nawaba is a guy that's kind of like one of those low-key guys that we haven't really talked a lot about, similar to Garrett Temple, that might just pop off this year and come up clutch for you when you really need it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I guess we'll move on to the other guy that we sort of alluded to in Garrett Temple, and he sort of had some quotes as well um, on his experience so far. It's been great. It makes it that much sweeter. The first two years in my career were up and down, um, out of the D League, going overseas, having to grind, make a spot in the league my fourth year, and then been blessed to have a spot since. So I expect guys like David, Lance Thomas, and guys like CJ Williams trying to make the spot, but it makes it that much sweeter, and I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah, that's the type of guy you want in the locker room, supporting these guys, trying to live out their dreams. And you know Garrett Temple is going to appreciate this opportunity. And if I'm not mistaken, Garrett Temple hasn't really played in a ton of winning teams either. So he's probably really enjoying this, especially with the possibility of a deep playoff run. Yeah, and he made just comments on the roster overall that you sort of were talking about there, Nick. We have a group of young guys that are very humble, very skilled, can play the game, but understand that veterans have some insight into stuff that they don't know yet. So they're willing to learn. Um, but it's always a feeling out process when you get to a new team. It's great that you've got some vets coming in that know each other a little bit and we know each other's leadership styles a good bit so we can get together as a unit. I think there were some really nice tidbits and, and, and nice things to take away from that quote. Yeah, and I, like I mentioned, uh, I listened to Garrett Temple on a podcast over the summer and I really liked him. And he just feels like a great guy to have in the locker room. You know, we talked about this, losing Jared Dudley, losing Damari Carroll, losing Ed Davis. You bring in a guy like Garrett Temple, he can kind of fill some of that void. Yeah, and I think that we sort of spoke about, I like the fact that he was talking about that we know each other's leadership styles, whether he was talking about Kyrie or DeAndre there, you know, I think that that's where you have, and obviously we have our young guys, we sort of spoke about Karis and Jarrett before, that they're just so willing to take on things and they just know, they don't really care, you know, who scores or who's getting the media coverage or, or whatever, they're just happy to be a part of this team. So I think one thing that we've spoken about before in terms of chemistry, it's already starting to build. 100% and obviously that's been the biggest question mark from a lot of national media will this Nets team gel you know they've had such a good vibe last year is Kyrie gonna ruin it a blah 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 everything's looking good so far but obviously the real games haven't started yet yeah exactly but um we'll get to your boy Karis Avert. I don't think we'd be able to do a podcast without some Karis Avert talk or else um, I probably want to be allowed back on <laughs> as a co-host um, but Kenny was sort of saying as playing Kyrie a little bit off ball. Kyrie's a great catch and shooter, uh, catch and shoot shooter. Kyrie always tells me I'm really good off the ball too. So when Karis is driving, you know you have another shooter out there. So I think it works well. I always say that I love multiple ball handlers, multiple downhill guys. At the end of the day, that's what sucks the defense in. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot on Kyrie's player preview. How impressed and how excited we were about Kyrie's off-ball ability and how he actually might fit really well with Karis and Spencer and hearing it from Kenny obviously that's great and you have a guy like Karis who can cook guys one-on-one -on -one, get in the paint and now you have a guy like Joe Harris Torian Prince and Kyrie Irving on the perimeter there's going to be an open three somewhere 
Yeah, and Levert's already already loving him sort of self, but you know Atkinson think that there's uh, another jump for for Karis Levert, and I think that you know Spencer said in the past that Karis is probably one of the coach's pets, so we're obviously going to hear some high praise of him. But he says he think it's really he has really high potential in his opinion. Uh, I remember those first. How many games was it before that he got hurt? We we're all saying this guy's ready to make an all-star jump. Of course, it was early. We won a couple of games that the uh, he was really, really dominating. And then let's hop to the players when he started to hit his stride. I think that was really, really when he started to hit it. You could argue he was our best player in the playoffs. He was. Uh, there's some noise in there, but I always say this is about there are guys who want to be great, and then there are guys that are desperate to be great. He's in that desperate category. And there's only a small percentage of guys who are like that. And I think that's what separates Karras where, you know, people might have seen, you know, the scouting report or where he's drafted or seen what he did in the the league, you know, last few seasons. But he's the type that is going to kind of push the ceilings that people have put on him. He's going to kind of take his game to the next level. It just always kind of makes me think about a guy like Jimmy Butler, where, you know, Butler coming to the league, nobody really thought much of him. Next thing you know, he's turned himself into an all-star level player. And that's kind of what we're hoping Karras can do. Turn himself into an all-star level player. Obviously, there's talent and athleticism there, but the work ethic is what makes him great. Yeah, and the strength, apparently, Garrett Temple was sort of saying, obviously, he can really score the ball. Offensively, he's very gifted. He plays like he's 230 pounds when he's really like 200. With his ability to create up the dribble, he's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. We know that the strength increase last year was a big reason for the success he had, and it wasn't as noticeable because I believe a lot of his work in the offseason in terms of the gym was for his lower body, building that strong base, not being able to get kind of pushed around when you establish yourself in the paint. And if he can keep improving in that, then he's going to be drawing fouls left and right and getting great position. Yeah, and there was obviously some highlight video. We saw him. Um, it was great. Just, great. It was him hanging in the air with that sort of strength. And obviously, um, Karras is incredibly strong, despite the fact that he may not look at, I think, that basketball strength compared to, you know, just normal conventional strength. There's a, there's a difference sort of between that. So, you know, Karras is certainly going to be doing his thing. Uh, Nick, were you a little bit annoyed that you can invited to David Buster's for Kevin Durant's 31st birthday? I was kind of upset. You know, maybe we should have crashed it. <laughs> True. Well, like, I wish his birthday was a little bit later. But um, it seemed like he was having a bit of fun, even though Kyrie was probably having more fun at his own birthday. Yeah, I could see it. Kyrie looked pretty happy in the pictures. I mean, who wouldn't have fun at David Buster's? I've actually never been there. I've, I've been to the, I've been there with Dave and Buster's in Philadelphia. How have you not been to Dave and Buster's being like, you know, lived there your entire life? Maybe that's something we have to do when you come to town. Absolutely. I will. Oh, I'm not great at pop a shot. I'm okay. Um, but it's, it's I just not my like best cheat step. and don't shoot like a regular basketball. I just like whatever way the hoop is. And I just like establish it a way to kind of just get it in and get as quick a release as possible. Because obviously not- like to break the high score, you have to just like, be crazy and getting the ball out and in and you can't really miss no it's not about like really shooting it I'm, I'm similar i just want to get the ball off and get it into the bucket it doesn't matter how it gets in there but um yeah we might have to do that if you know anyone else wants to do uh, hit up dave and busters with me at the jman jbt i'll be over there very very soon but nick a couple more things i'm not sure if you read it um chris herring had an article on 538 um talking about what will the Nets look like before Kevin Durant is back? And there were some key questions throughout, and I think I'm just going to ask you them sort of straight up. Um, can all the Brooklyn ball handlers get theirs? Yeah, I actually glanced at the piece. I didn't get to read it pretty in-depth, obviously. You know, I try to read the stuff that Chris writes. It's always usually really good. And also, I wanted to see how he kind of balanced the prediction by their website and how it related to the article. But we just alluded to it. 
You know, Kyrie being really good off ball, Karras and Spencer working this summer to be better off ball. I think there will be enough touches. And if you really think about it, there's not many other guys in the team that are going to really have the ball in their hands a lot. And they're going to be like, all right, these guys need to score. We need to get them shots. You know, Joe Harris and Torian Prince are two guys that come to mind. But the rest of the roster are guys where it's going to be a different guy kind of every night stepping up off the bench. Yeah, and I think that the sort of main thing he he pointed out was that uh, Kyrie Irving had a, a, a fourth quarter usage of 34%. Russell was at D'Angelo's was 30%. Uh, Dinwiddie and Levert were at 26 and 24, respectively. But you want to put the ball in Kyrie Irving's hands because, as Herring alluded to, Kyrie Irving and the Celtics had the best class, clutch offense in the NBA last year. So I know that we spoke about now plenty of clutch games with the Brooklyn Nets last season, but I'm a little more confident in having the ball in Kyrie's hands in those fourth quarter situations. And I will say this, and I don't think people really talk about this enough with Boston last year. There really isn't a ton of playmakers on that team. There's guys that can kind of score on their own, but there's not guys who can initiate the offense or run and pick and roll and things along those lines. Like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were still developing their games. Gordon Hayward, obviously a shell of himself. And Terry Rozier just had a bad season. You know, and Al Horford's not really going to create offense. He's going to be more of a compliment to guys. So I think it's also just like a different role for Kyrie this year compared to the roster he played with last year. Yeah, and I think that the fit and everything is probably going to bode well you know, at least at, for, for a large chunk of the regular season. But the next sort of point was what version of DeAndre Jordan is Brooklyn getting? Um, I'm not sure if you saw the sort of stats that um, Chris Herring alluded to, Nick, but there are some positive ones and there are some negative ones in terms of, you know, he held shooters to more than six percentage points beneath their average when around the rim. And he also led the league in defensive rebound percentage for the second season running. But at the same time, he did only contest four shots a game at the rim. So it's a catch sort of 22. Do we need DeAndre to contest more shots at the rim? Uh, do we need to be more engaged on that sort of defensive side within the paint? Yes, and yes, I think, you know, we kind of mentioned it. It's been, you know, a couple down seasons for DeAndre. He just hasn't been fully engaged playing his best basketball. Some of that's been the situation. Some of that's just been on him. And we're hoping Kyrie and KD can kind of push him to be the better guy. And Jared Allen competing with him might cook some, you know, things he hasn't really thought about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that I'm probably, maybe it's just a bias and an inherent optimism um, that I don't normally possess, but I think that DeAndre is going to be a little bit better. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best in the league, but I think that I think we're going to probably want from him as well as those screens. Um, I think that if he can get open shots for Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris, as sort of Chris Herring was alluded to, um, then th that's the sort of point. I know that Joe Harris made uh, a real point of it last season about how open Ed Davis would get him um, to get those open, shot of so open sort of shots. We need DeAndre to do that to an even greater level next season. I agree. And DeAndre is a big dude. Like he, yeah. you know, Ed Davis obviously is a tough dude, but DeAndre is just huge. Like if he sets the screen... He's creating space. We know what Chris Paul did with him back in the day with the Clippers. Obviously, Luca had some success with him, but he's a guy that, you know, Joe Harris should become best buddies with because he'll be getting him some open threes. Yep, and at the end of the day, that's uh, that's what we want. We want that sort of chemistry, and hopefully there's um, work being done at training camp in relation to that. Um, the sort of final question, Nick, um, and I think it's one that we sort of alluded to a little bit, uh, is there enough front court scoring without Durant? Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but the real question is, do the Nets need it? 
you know, like with all the guards they have, and they do have perimeter scoring, and obviously there's going to be questions about scoring inside, but guys like Spencer can attack the paint. Guys like Harris, Kyrie getting in there and dropping off the passes for DeAndre and Jared Allen, that's what we want to see. It's not like, you know, having – I think it'd be better in a situation where you have more perimeter scoring than if you had more interior scoring because it's a lot easier to shut down the interior than it is to shut down the outside. Yeah, and I think in that sort of sense, we were just recording a Blazers podcast. And, you know, if we're talking about front court scoring, they really lack some front court, you know, um, they lack that front court depth in a similar sort of sense to, to the Brooklyn Nets. But I, I'd probably say that the Nets have some better forwards in relation to them. We spoke about Kouritz taking the three-point shot, being a bit more confident. We spoke about Musa um, hitting the three ball and, and playing a bit better defense. You know, Toyin Prince um, is really, really engaged defensively, it seems. And that three ball is always going to drop with a guy like him. You know, he's really got that sort of mark. And Spencer's already calling him the second-best three-point shooter, as we've talked about earlier. So... I like what you sort of said. It's not that we necessarily need it. And in lineups where the lineup that I really want to see is, you know, Kyrie, Spencer, Karras, Torian, uh, and, you know, whether it be, you know, DeAndre Jordan or, or Jared Allen out there. Because for me, you've got a ridiculous amount of guys who can handle the ball and three guys who can shoot the three ball incredibly capably. That's a lineup that I'm really sort of intrigued to see. And, you know, that's not necessarily a really front court heavy team, so to speak. I would love that lineup. I think it'd be a ton of fun. And I think it's one we'll definitely see this year, too. Kenny's already mentioned about going to that three-guard lineup. And obviously, Prince is going to be a guy who sees a lot of minutes at the four. And Jared and DeAndre obviously fit in that center role. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So there's going to be plenty of lineups. And, you know, we'll probably be discussing it a little bit more. Maybe we might have to add it as a topic point. Lineups that we're excited to see uh, heading into the 2019-20 season. But uh, a final one, Nick, and we've sort of touched on Coach Kenny, but he spoke a little bit more in depth to the New York Post um, and some quotes that I'd like to get your reaction on. And, you know, he sort of spoke about the fact that he was nervous uh, initially about acquiring the superstars in Kyrie and KD. He's like, wow, how am I going to coach these guys? This is going to be different. I always felt like I got along with every guy and every team I've been a part with, whether you're the 17th guy or the first guy. I can't change who I am because the guys will always spot that right away. You have to be yourself. And even once I realized that we were getting some incredible players, that's what I knew. I had to be true to who I am. And I think that's what the players love. You know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like KD said, you know, Kenny uh, seems really genuine. And then Kyrie said he really loves Kenny because he's straight up and honest. So it was a big reason they came. And I respect Kenny for being honest too in that situation. You know, he he's established himself to some extent in the NBA, but now you're getting two of the best players. You know, how are you going to coach these guys? How much do they respect me? So being yourself is usually the best way to go in most life situations. If yeah, not exactly. All. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. Um, and I guess the final sort of quote, Nick, It's he sort of spoke about just the timing. It's a perfect piece of timing. Can you imagine if this had happened when I first got the job? Instead of <laughs> It feels like the right place and the right time for me. And for all the guys, we're ready to keep building. All you ever ask for as a coach is to be able to coach good players. What can a guy like me ask for then that's better than this? It's He's true. I mean, he's he's progressed. He's improved every year. And this is the next step for the Nets organization and him as a coach. So now it's like, all right, Kenny, we'll see what you're made of. And can you keep up with your team's player development and to keep developing yourself? Yeah, I, I, I really like the how everything is sort of timed 
personally with Coach Kenny in terms of his growth and his sort of narrative as a coach. You know, like you said, if he had have gone into his first year, if you're looking at guys like Frank Vogel and, and teams who are thrust upon these superstars and it's just like, okay, well, now I'm, how do I really establish myself as a coach here? Whereas Kenny was able to establish himself as a coach and, you know, sort of be the leader, the, the fulcrum, the, the sort of guy that players look up to because it was a young squad, because they were looking up to him. And then he had that with the ends of Russell. His, you know, his player development has obviously been outstanding. It's, it's what drew Kevin Durant and Kyrie, or at least part of what drew them to um, the Brooklyn Nets in the first place. So I think everything is timing up pretty well. And I think that this is the right time for Coach Kenny to become, you know, a coach of superstars. And there is uh, no better time than now for the Nets to really strike. And, you know, if the Nets are going to experience some, some high levels of success, Coach Kenny is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, and I think around the league, like, people view Kenny very highly, other teams, fans, and media. I was talking to somebody, one of the Denver writers, and they were saying, you know, Kenny's going to win a coach of the year someday. And obviously, any type of praise like that from opposing teams or opposing media is always great. Yeah, and, and we've spoken about that consistently, you know, from guys like Doc Rivers, guys like uh, Greg Popovich. But uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him, yep. and that's a good thing. You know, we want him to sort of how he's going to integrate everything. We want the Nets to be great on both ends of the floor. Um, in that sort of sense, Nick, there's probably going to be some more Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news coming out. But for now, that's all i got. That's amazing, Jack. Obviously, we'll be dropping some more player previews as well. Always a pleasure talking hoops with you, Jack, especially when it's Nets. And be sure to check out the show on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube. All reviews and subscriptions are much appreciated. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.